Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for taking time to join us for our study of the Word of God. Here, we study the Bible. And uh, we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we've done 25 books of the Bible. And if you've not been able to listen to the books that we've covered, you can find all the podcasts on all podcast platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer. Name it. You can also visit our website, BibleIndepth.com. There you'll find everything. It's a one-stop center for you. All about the network you will find there. Everything that we do as a network you'll find there. You'll find a prayer, a live prayer room. You'll find everything. And I believe God shall bless you even as you visit. Now we are handling the book of Ezekiel. And uh, yesterday we started on a very interesting part of this book. Uh, which is prophecies that are given. Prophecies that are going to be fulfilled for the nation of Israel, and we shall take some time, yeah, uh, looking at these details, looking at how Israel has fared through the years from the time of Ezekiel and what exactly happened for them. And uh, this will be a very interesting sharing because it will help us see what this nation of God has gone through over the years up to today and how prophecy is being fulfilled today in the land of Israel. And uh, we are going to get to that detail. We are going to study it in the coming days, or even we started yesterday, by the way, about this study. And uh, we shall look, we shall learn, we shall explore, we shall see what exactly is coming to fulfillment today, in the day today, as per what is spoken in the Bible, not only by Ezekiel, but even from other aspects of the Bible where we read about prophecy on Israel. And today I want us to continue with chapter 37, which is also a very interesting chapter. We love to read about it. We love to preach about it. We love to quote it. Yeah, we love to speak about it. And uh, it's something, or it's a scripture that we shall look at today. Chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel. And it's a vision of the valley of dry bones that Ezekiel sees. It's one of the major things that we know of the book of Ezekiel, uh, the valley of dry bones. And it starts by saying, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and, Lord, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, 
And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Hmm? What he's seeing is a valley full of bones, of course, representing death, that it is finished. There is nothing that has been left of them. Uh, it is all gone, lifeless death they were killed either by wars or by famine or whatever came to claim them and they were not even buried they didn't get a chance to be buried so they were just there lying as bones great and many and here he sees um, these bones and God tells Ezekiel to prophesy tell them to come back to life and he does that at the first instant, there is a shaking, there is a rattling. These are many bones, by the way, in this valley. These are many, and they come together and get as one, and then they get their bodies back, but then there was no life in them. Sometimes there is uh, a recollection that happens, but then there is no purpose in it, that they've gathered, but then they are still useless, and they require a breath of life, which God also commands into them. Some things we have done, some things were dead, they have come back to life. God has helped us bring them together, but then they need a push. They need a breath of life. They need uh, something that is going to boost them that they are useful again. And that's what God does for, for them here. He says, command life into them. And they get back to life. Now, this vision that he sees as Ezekiel, yes, can apply to us when we look at it, but I'll get into the major part yeah, of the vision and how it does apply to Israel as a nation. yeah. But to us, there are things in life that we have felt are gone. There are relationships that we have felt are gone. There, uh, there is health that somebody feels, my health is gone, I'm finished, I'm out, there's nothing left for me in the world today. The doctors said I'm finished. But God, we have a God who brings dead bones back to life, dry bones back to life, gone, finished, out, useless people, don't think you can rise up again. God says I can bring you back to life. And I'll not just patch you up, but I'll give you hope with the breath of life. I'll not just bring you back on the scene, but I'll bring you back in an extraordinary way that you are meaningful, that you impact, that people see you and know that this is God who has done this. What is it in your life that has become hopeless? Is it your business? God can bring dry bones to life. That business that is not making money, God can bring it back to life. And I proclaim and declare success in businesses, in work, in everything you do, in your job. I declare that may the 
hand of God come and touch that which has seemed dead and spring it back to life in the name of Jesus. May God prosper us in the works of our hands, in the businesses that we do. May we get clients. May we get opportunities. May we rise and shine and not just uh, be seen, but rather come out of impact that that which we do is influential. It has a breath of life in it. For those that are sick, for those that are not feeling well, may God come and patch you up and breathe life into you once again that you may walk. For relationships that are hopeless and there is no hope in it and it's a marriage that is dying, may God come and patch it up and bring life in it. Put his breath in it that you may see the goodness of God. That's possible. God does that. A valley full of dry bones, when people look at it, they wonder and say, what happened to these people? And the sad bit of it, as we are going to look next, is they are looking at people of God. They are dry bones of people of God. That is the sight that they might see when they look into this valley. And you've served God. You've walked with God. You've done everything for God. There's been promises made to you by God himself. And then your life looks like hell. It looks like you're not progressing. And when people look at you, they laugh, they scorn, they say, what's the purpose of the God you serve? But I tell you today that God is going to breathe life into your affairs. God is going to breathe life into every aspect of you and trust in him because when he promises he fulfills when he says i'll bring life he fulfills that this he was speaking to israel this was a message going out to the people of israel and this vision is explained here in verse 11 then he said to me son of man these bones are the whole house of israel they're dead they're finished Nobody expects them to come back to life. They have perished. And it says, behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. So this bones Ezekiel was saying, God saying that's a representation of the house of Israel. They are gone. They are no more. There's nothing to describe them anymore. They are off the world map. This was once a great nation that shook Israel at one point was a world power, and people were looking to it. People from far came, paid tribute to them. These were a strong, powerful nation. Right now, they're in a valley. They're not there alive. They're there, dead, dry bones. And everyone who sees laughs. Everyone who looks scorns, says, what happened to this nation of the Lord? We read about it in history. What happened to the people who crossed the Red Sea, on dry ground, what happened to the people who fought battles and won? People who built great things on the earth. And God is telling them, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. He's giving them a message of hope, saying, it's not finished. Yes, you're dead. That's a fact. You're dead. Nobody sees, nobody knows about you anymore as Israel. Nobody considers you as a, a force to reckon. No, they don't. But I'm going to open up your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people. And I'll bring you into the land of Israel. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. When I've opened your graves and caused you to come up 
out of your graves, my people. I'll put my spirit within you and you will come to life. And I'll place you on your own land. Then you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. God is saying, there are good things that are coming for you. There are good things that are going to happen for you as Israel. Yes, you've gone through a terrible time. And we're going to start looking at this, I believe, starting tomorrow. About the life of Israel and how even after Babylon, the timeline that happens after Babylon, when they come out of captivity up to today, what has Israel looked like? What happened to Israel that for all those years, over 2,500 years, Israel still has no land to come out in autonomy? How did it get to that level? That until 1948 is when this prophecy comes to be fulfilled, where God is saying, I will bring you into the land of Israel, and I will give you a place of your own, your own land. This is a, a region he had given them straight from the time of Abraham. You'll inherit the entire Canaan. That is a huge area, thousands and thousands of square miles. But then... Fulfillment comes to pass, of course, punishment that they lose the land. But then there's a promise here for Israel. Now, when he's telling them, you shall come back to life, you shall come out of, the, of your graves, as we shall look in the coming days, of how Israel suffered over the years, how the Jews suffered over the years, how they were killed, how they were hunted down, how they lost their lives, how they were depleted, how it was a mission to make sure they're off the face of the earth. How does a nation become so much an attention of the whole world that they want to eliminate them on the planet because they were people of God, because they were blessed? But God still has his word for them. God still has his promise for them. And he says, you are my people. I'll pick you out of the grave. And hey, God has done this for the nation of Israel. This has come to, it has come to pass for them because Yesterday we looked at aspects of how a nation so desolate, buried, dry bones, no hope, no agriculture. We looked at what Mark Twain talked about them, a desolate country that even cactus could not grow in their land. This was 1867. And this is a nation that God is talking about here and saying you shall rise up. That we have seen, we looked yesterday in agriculture, they have risen. The scattered and depleted people of Israel, the hopeless people of Israel, the dry bones, right now, they blossom. Because prophecy comes to fulfillment, as he told them. There are so many influential Jews in the world today. Now, when you get to Nobel Peace Prizes that have been given from 1901 up to today, you are going to find 23% of these prizes have gone to Jews. People either who are fully Jews or they have Jewish ancestry that either one of the parents was Jew. Now, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's over 210 Jews of all Nobel Peace Prizes that have been given from 1901 to today. 23% of those belong to the Jews. Just one group, one people is taking all that margin out of the whole world, that tells you that these are blessed fields. Now, the fields that they've taken in chemistry, advancement in chemistry, 
Yeah? These are these are statistics that we read and 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 these help us see how God picked them from their graves and has risen these people and breathed life into them and give them that, uh, given them an identity that is beyond what we can comprehend in chemistry. There are over 36 prize winners who are Jewish in the Nobel Peace Prize. Now that's over 19% of the total the world total in the chemistry field that uh, 19% of the awards in the world regarding chemistry belong to the Jews. In economics, 37, there are 35 prize winners. Now, that's 39% of all awards in economics in the world belong to the Jews. Literature, 16 prize winners. 14% of the world literature prizes have gone to the Jews. This shows you. This is rising. These are bonds rising. Those that they had no hope, those that they took for granted, those that they said are finished, are showing you that, no, we are not done yet. God is still on our side. Peace. Nine prize winners have come as Jews. Physics, in coming out with all the physics, if you studied physics, many of the things you might be studying are found out or created, all come about from the Jews. 56 prize winners, 26% of prizes that have been given in this category have gone to the Jews in the whole world. They shared 26% of that. Medicine, now that's a crucial one. Life-saving, over 58%, over 58 prize winners, that's 26% of the prizes have gone to the Jews. Now, many of these winners, of course, have been scattered. They may not be in uh, Israel as per se, as a nation, but uh, all throughout the world, especially in the United States. And uh, no wonder there's been success in the United States rising as a world power because God has looked at his people Israel and where they are, and he considers them from where they are. When they're in the U.S., the U.S. benefits. Where the people of God are, you benefit. And this, by the way, comes down even to your normal life. In a place where you are, there are people of God. There are people who serve God. There are people who worship God. The confines, those you flock with, yeah, the company you carry can either bring a blessing or a curse. Now, what the U.S. does with all these Jews in them, there's no way they fail to succeed. Not only in the things they do, not only in the inventions that we see there, but even as a power in the world today, as a power that reckons on the top on the influencers, on the world powers today, they come about. And that has a part to play with the Jews that stay there. When you get to creators of the greatest life-saving medical and uh, science advances in history, 25% of the people listed are of Jewish ancestry. I'm trying to show you how God has picked these dry bones and brought them to life. As he promised in his word here to Ezekiel, as he prophesied to them that you look dead and complete and finished, but you're going to rise up. And this is evident today in the things we see that God is doing for the people of Israel. Now, 25% of people that are listed of the greatest life-saving medical and scientific advances in history are Jewish. Jewish ancestry. Yeah? 
you have, I'll list a, a number of them here. There's a man called Fries Hober. This man invented synthetic fertilizer. Yeah? You have Karl Lansteiner, blood transfusions, identification of blood groups. He's a Jew. Inventing that, coming out with how it works. Yeah? Identifying blood groups. You have Richard Lewisto. And this is sodium citrate blood preservation method. How do you preserve blood? This was come about by a Jew. The man decided, sat down, and uh, God helped them. God is always with them and shows them how this works out. Abel Wallman, chlorinization of drinking water, chlorine. How do you chlorinize drinking water? It's come about by a Jew. Benjamin Rubin, smallpox eradication. A Jew, he comes up with that. On the world scene, those were dry bones. And now God is picking them up and showing them to the world that these are my people. Yeah? And we, the list goes on here. Samuel Katz, measles vaccine. Alfred Summer, vitamin A therapy. Baruch Blumberg, hepatitis B vaccine. John Salk, polio vaccine. There are so many. There are so many I may not be able to go through all of them. But this shows you of how God has considered his people, Israel, and picked them out. They are not dry bones anymore. They have flesh on them. And not just flesh, they have a breath of life. They are saving the world. These vaccines that they, they have created, the eradications, the blood transfusions, whatever it is, many of them lists that I may not be able to go through here are life-saving. They have a breath of life in them, in what they do. And it's not just even in the medical world, but Israel, which was dead and out, re-emerges today on the scene of world history. These are a top diamond exporter. $5.7 billion from Israel. Top diamond exporter. Can you imagine a nation that was called dead and finished? Integrated circuits. Now, these are uh, circuits. When you talk integrated circuits, you're talking about those uh, devices, items, chips that are used in computers, in uh, video processors, in amplifiers, in the technology world, those who know technology, those chips that are made. Israel is a top exporter of that, top creator, top supplier in the world today, over $3.8 billion that they earn from that. Wisdom. They were down and bones, but God has risen them up. Medical instruments, $1.86 billion. Yeah, they produce supply medical instruments. We looked at fruits yesterday, 1.3 billion. They are great inventors and innovators in the world today. These Israelites that God picked out as his children. God said, these are my people. And he made a prophecy to Ezekiel and told them, I'll raise them. I'll raise them up. They look dead and finished. But right now, if you follow the history of the world, if you follow events of the world today, you will know that they were crushed but God has restored them to greatness because they're his people. When God makes a prophecy, it comes to fulfillment. And we shall look. Now, this prophecy took years. Some of us, there are promises that God has given us and we want them to happen today or tomorrow. We start to doubt God, whether it will happen. God, are you there? Do you hear? Do you feel my pain? Do you understand what I'm going through, the suffering I'm going through? God comes out and tells you, 
uh, made prophecy and it shall come to pass. This which they talk of Israel, yes, over the years, yeah, uh, in the eddies, early eddies, of course, mid eddies, uh, they will see success as well coming up. But now, right now, it's more pronounced when we look at it in the world today. But that is a blessing that God blesses on them. So whatever you're going through, it might take time. That's a sad part. But if God has given a promise to you, it will come to pass. Just wait on the Lord. Have hope in the Lord. And to the people that this prophecy was being given by Ezekiel, I think some expected it to happen the next day. That wasn't the case. But the promise was there. And today we see it come into fulfillment. They went through a troubled season of years, but joy has come to them. And we will look at it starting tomorrow, I believe, of from the time of Nebuchadnezzar until the prophecy comes before we start on the chapter 38, which is very key and which is quoted a lot and which is people try to describe and many try to try and understand what it's talking about on the wars that has spoken that will come to pass. We'll look before that from this time up to that time of the wars being spoken of in Ezekiel 38. What exactly has Israel gone through? But from that, it has been pain. But then there's been life breathed into these dry bones. Chapter verse 15, as we try to conclude, the word of the Lord came to me again and uh, to me saying, and you son of man, take for yourself one stick and write on it. For Judah... And for the sons of Israel, his companions, then take another stick and write on it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel, his companions, then join them for yourself, one to another, into one stick, that they may come into one hand. Then, when the sons of people ask and speak to you, will you not declare to us what you mean by this? Say to them, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and put them with it, with the stick of Judah. Make them one stick, and they will be in one my, my one hand. Yeah? And uh, they will be one in my hand. The sticks on which you write will be in your hand before the eye. Say to them, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will take the sons of Israel among the, from among the nations where they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. This we see come to pass, 1948. And we shall look at how they, man- they, were- they got to this level of being scattered that far and how the process of bringing them back to 1948 came about. We shall look at that detail. And uh, here he says, I will bring you back, all of you, Judah and Israel at large. Yeah? Say to them, thus says, Lord, Behold, I will take the sons of Israel from among the nations they've gone and gather them. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. He will make them one. They will no longer be split as the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. No, they will become one nation. So right now, when you're talking uh, Israelites and Jews, you talk one. You don't say the, the Ju- people of Judah and the people of uh, the ten tribes. No, you speak one. They become one nation. This has come to pass today. And one king will be the king for them all. And there will no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. This we've talked about. Yeah? But that time is coming. There will be one. They won't be scattered anymore. They won't be split as two kingdoms. They will have one leader. And this we see even today. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or with their detestable things. All with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them 
from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them, and they will be my people, and I'll be their God. My servant, David, will be king over them. And they will all have one shepherd. And they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. When they're talking my servant David here, they're not saying David will rise from the dead. No. This is Jesus that is being spoken of. He's in the line of David. They will live on the land that I gave to Jacob my servant in which your fathers lived and they will live on it they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. And David my servant will be their prince forever. Yeah, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will bless them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel. When my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Of course, this we are going to look into detail of the prophecy that comes. But God is promising hope for Israel again. God is promising life for Israel. God is saying, you are dry bones, but I command life into you today. What have you been told? What do you think you are? What experiences have you gone through? Hope may be lost. But I want to let you know today that God brings back dry bones. What your life is looking like is not the description of you. God can restore and bring life back. We've read as he did for Israel, as he continues to do today. They were out and gone. They were bones, but God brought them back on the world scene and in a special way. And he has restored them in events Unbelievable, he gives them a nation, he gives them a land again, and we shall look at that today. That happened in the early 90s, 1900s. And God blessed his people. Whatever you're going through in life today, that seemed dead, I declare life in the name of Jesus. May there be hope for you, hope that was gone, hope that was lost, May it come back. May those dry bones receive flesh and not just flesh. May they get a breath of life in the name of Jesus. May God prosper you in everything you do. May God look at your relationships and bless them. May God look at your children and bless them. May God look at your family, your children that you thought these are gone. They may be under the influence of drugs and all other things and bad company and you feel their dry bones. May God place flesh on them and restore life to them in the name of Jesus. May every aspect of your life receive life again. May the breath of life come and touch every part of you that you may be blessed forever. In Jesus' mighty name.